Each month we spend a Sunday worship centered on a theme. This year we've considered creation, forgiveness, God, good and evil. And this month our theme is freedom and responsibility. They go hand in hand. Freedom without responsibility becomes reckless, destructive. But responsibility without freedom is slavery, also destructive. And a balance between the two abets creation. Finding a healthy balance between the two is ever-shifting. For example, at the heart of parenting is weighing freedom with responsibility for your children or your grandchildren. The parent's endless dilemma is how much to allow children to make their own choices and to experience the results of those choices. Age and personality, culture, family constraints dictate Some of that equilibrium of responsibility with freedom. Have you you been following how this mix plays out with the Mediv family in Maryland? If you haven't heard, in January, their their six and ten-year-olds were reported when walking home unaccompanied from a park nearby their home. The police picked them up and held them for more than five hours before authorities actually contacted the parents. They were panicked, to say the least, and Child Protective Services is now involved. But after their panic subsided, Danielle Mediv explained how they saw freedom and responsibility in this particular situation. The world is actually even safer than when I was a child, the mother says. And I just want to give my children the same freedom and independence that I had, basically an old-fashioned childhood. I think it's absolutely critical for their development to learn responsibility, to experience the world, to gain confidence and competency. This incident, and then a second one, reignited a national conversation about responsible parenting, child safety, and government intrusion. The Medivs call their style of parenting free-range. Free-range parenting, a a term coined in publicity from a very similar incident by another parent, Lenore Skenazi, for letting her nine-year-old ride the subway in New York City by himself. She said, I didn't leave him unprepared, of course. I gave him a map, a metro card, quarters for the phone, and $20 for emergencies. Bloomingdale sits on top of a subway station on our local line, and it's always crowded with shoppers. I believed he'd be safe. I believed he could figure out his way. 
And if he needed to ask someone for directions, which it turns out he did, I even believed the person would not think, gee, I was about to go home with my nice new Bloomingdale shirt, but now, now I think I'll abduct this adorable child (laughs) instead. Long story short, he got home about 45 minutes later, ecstatic with his independence. I wrote a little column about his adventure, and two days later, I was on Today's Show, NPR, MSNBC, and Fox News, defending myself as not America's worst mom. Free-range kids and free-range parenting are terms signaling that pushback against increasingly overprotective parenting. They are meant to address the heightened fear of ours in this particular point in history. How safe can adults make childhood? Can it become too safe? The messy but necessary lessons from growing up involve mistakes, wounds, scabs, failures, consequences. And these get lost within fear and overprotection. For me, the free-range movement reminds our culture that dangers are embedded, lockstep with freedom. And while they're fearsome, they're necessary and healthy. So we often use family words to describe church. Suppose we take that term free range and pluck it away from the chickens and the cattle and the parents and try it on ourselves. As a religious community dedicated to learning and spiritual freedom, we're free range believers. Our lifelong efforts to sort through our beliefs embody the same dance of freedom and responsibility. Just like parenting, parenting our own religious and spiritual thought. We tend to emphasize the freedom part of our religion, ignoring the demands that liberty place on us. Countless, countless times, I've heard Unitarian Universalists say, you can believe whatever you want. I hope they're simply saying to emphasize our, our proud heretical tradition. We are free to question and doubt whatever you want. At the same time, we insist you test out your new observations and conclusions. You examine them over time within community, within the boundaries of being loving and compassionate. Your questions and doubts must be tested. So when a a member says at, at Hope Church, we're free to believe anything, I think they're also saying that we have an incredible diversity of belief and we welcome this really rich, fertile 
patchwork of spiritual and ethical journeys. This variety is inevitable. Even in an orthodox tradition with sect creeds, a wide spectrum of beliefs resides within their pews and on their prayer rugs. But Unitarian Universalists are unique in our willingness to value this diversity. We see it as a strength, not something to fear. We expect each person's walk through life, through life's meaning, to be unique. And we want to hear that story. And we want to hear that story as each new page and chapter gets added to it. And what you choose to edit out. So let me be very clear. We are not free to believe anything we want. I repeat, at Hope Church, we are not free to believe anything we want. Any more than free-range children walking home are free to go anywhere they want. All our freedoms have constraints. Those siblings were given clear instructions about staying together, holding hands, following a specific route, one they'd walked many times before with their parents. Although from an outsider's perspective, I'm sure it looked like the children had unlimited and inappropriate freedom. What are they doing? on the sidewalk. We no longer fully trust the invisible bonds of family and love and routine and learning and common sense. We don't trust that those are in place anymore. And so to strangers looking in at Hope Church, we appear to have freedom without constraints. It appears we can believe whatever we want but outsiders don't see those invisible boundaries that temper our conclusions and our actions, our heretical freedom of religious self-discovery. comes with deep, abiding responsibilities shaped by conscience and covenant, community, and love. So to try to spell out what the constraints might be, what the responsibilities of our beliefs, all week I've been picturing a religious thinker's flowchart. The visual map would help, help us sort out a healthy belief system from a destructive one by asking various questions. You know, the flowchart could be like a decision-making map. And the start shape at the top holds the question, is this belief I hold now life-affirming, sustainable, and justice-minded? Already you can tell I've already put limits on the type of religious system we could consider. So life-affirming, sustainable, and justice-minded are just our minimum baseline. Or maybe actually those are a really high bar that we Unitarians strive for just to begin with right off the bat. 
So coming out of this question is imagine arrows pointing to the square with that first test question about this belief. Can I hold this belief all by myself? And from that come two forking lines. Yes, no. I consider yes, you can hold that religious belief all by yourself to be the dead end. And the result is that point is to scrap the belief. If this belief can stay inside your head without interaction with others, there's no need to go any further. Despite many who claim to be Unitarian but don't choose to participate in a community, a church, they are, and I'm going to quote a a colleague who says, they are walking the razor's edge barefoot. History and neuroscience show how very good we are at deluding ourselves. The point of being together is not to lock in shared beliefs, but to surround ourselves with a group equally committed to assessing the beliefs we currently hold, as well as the ones we're considering. What do you think about, you can tell immediately by someone's face. Can I hold this belief all by myself? If the answer is no, it takes a village. Then the belief has enough, enough worth to move on to the next question. The next query might be, is the belief limited by who can hold it? Meaning, is the belief limited by race or who your parents are, national lines, gender, or any other line we use to divide and isolate ourselves? I always think of the Unitarian theologian James Luther Adams when I consider that collision of religion and things that divide us, specifically nationality. Because he had witnessed the beginnings of World War II in Europe and seen the gross distortion of Christianity to political and nationalist ends. And he acknowledged the power of these false gods When we say that history is tragic, Adams writes, we mean that the perversions and failures in history are associated precisely with the highest creative powers of humanity and thus with our greatest achievements. The national culture, for example, is the soil from which issue cherished treasures of a people, their language, their poetry, their music, their common social heritage. Yet, nationalism is one of the most destructive forces in the whole of human history. And when nationalism becomes religion's scaffolding, we end up with the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, We also end up with false claims that the United States is a holy Christian nation. And I struggle with the missteps and brutality in Israel based on Zionism.
the deeper I got into this flow chart idea, the more I thought, well, it's, it's really too passive a container. Discerning beliefs is far from just an intellectual exercise. And my, my religious seeker's flow chart started to become more of a Rube Goldberg type of mechanical device. This religious sorting process is really active and full-bodied, taking place in time and space. So now, picture this mechanical thing, and we can drop our belief into a big funnel where it slides down a twisting tube and falls out, landing on a seesaw contraption to make it move, and it sends a ball flying, which lights a match to start a tea kettle of water boiling. This imaginary contraption admits that looking at our most deeply held convictions can be quite an emotional trial as it weaves through all aspects of our lives. A test of our beliefs can be a journey through childhood, childhood memories, strong sensations, and forceful connections with family and friends, and it can set off an unexpected emotional chain reaction. When I test a belief by asking if it's the final answer, is it an absolute truth with final authority, if that's the question that's testing my belief, is this absolute for now and forevermore? What happens is only one match gets lit under that kettle and the flame fizzles out. The belief doesn't generate enough heat to create steam to move on to the next question. And how we say that often is revelation isn't sealed. Our religious values are always open to new ideas and fresh writings and evolving ethics, innovative philosophies. A belief requires necessary oxygen to glow and be fuel for action. Our religious tradition is a living tradition because we are always learning new truths. Well, once I had steam going out of the kettle, I still wasn't satisfied with the metaphor for testing religious values. I liked the spaciousness and three-dimensionality of a Rube Goldberg, and both the flowchart and this contraption I'm imagining enlist rational thought. They pull in the sciences and decision-making, and these attributes are good and necessary for us. But they, I hadn't fully captured other aspects of the process that we sign on for when we join this church. We are constantly putting our belief system under a microscope, and that is both exhausting and exhilarating. So I wanted something to help us imagine this ebb and flow of energy. It's a bit like a roller coaster, but a roller coaster has one track, and it doesn't capture the many paths we're all on. While we are all on the same journey from birth to death, that's the same road, our beliefs deeply inform, and, and well, actually, that one road informs our beliefs and shapes 
our fears, elevates our joys, and even tests our beliefs. It's too limiting. So I've settled on the Unitarian, Universalist, free-range, seekers, religious, pinball machine. I know we have some handy men and women, and I expect one out in our fellowship hall at some point that we can play. And here's why it's a pinball machine, because we, we roll along and we brush up against an experience or an idea that sends us shooting off in a new direction. And some experiences are more dynamic than others. And this journey indeed takes extensive help of others to keep moving along. And the assistance may not always be so gentle. We need more than a shove. Think of those flipper paddles at the bottom of each pinball game necessary to get us back into the game with renewed inspiration. A lively pinball game captures that heart-pounding excitement that comes when an old idea is shattered and a healthier, more workable one takes its place. Finding the Unitarian Church for the first time can seem like running into one of those mushroom bumpers that captures you momentarily and everything lights up and bells go off and points climb, ding, 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 ding. If you've ever talked to a newcomer, or someone who has just found us, or can recall that moment in your own life when this was like, I had no idea there were people in a place like you all. It's that same heart pounding. And then we're sent off, shooting out to run into our obstacles and tests and affirmations. You get to find out if the beliefs you hold establish a just and loving community. Does it cast you as someone with agency and free will? Or is it disempowering? Does it make room for life's inevitable contradictions, irony, incongruities? Those are all those little bumpers you run into. And what is at the heart of your belief? Do we have the freedom to believe anything we want? No. (laughs) If you love, if love and integrity are at the core of your belief, you've hit the jackpot. You are now in the ultimate wizard mode in this game of life. These are both freedoms and responsibilities all rolled into one. Love and integrity, your belief system wins. Ding, ding, ding. May it be so.